Do you want to maximize your success with NCUA? Join Mark Trichel as he shares with you the insider's view on passing your exam with Flying Colors. The With Flying Colors podcast is sponsored by Credit Union Exam Solutions by Mark Trichel. If you would like to work directly with the Credit Union Exam Solutions team and receive support to optimize your results with NCUA so you save time and money, visit us at marktrichel.com to find out more. Hey everyone, this is Mark Treichel with another episode of With Flying Colors. This is a discussion of the CUNA and NAFQ merger, and my guests on this episode are John McKechnie and Jeff Bassino. I'm recording a new intro because a few minutes in, I indicate that I am going to, which you'll hear in a minute, I indicate that I'm going to play the words of Jim Nussel and Dan Berger themselves on why their boards have proposed this merger. But I had a little technical difficulty, and the best way for me to fix it is to drop these three minutes here on the front. And so here we go, directly from Jim Nussel and Dan Berger on why CUNA and NAFQ should merge. Hello, I'm Jim Nussel, the president and CEO of CUNA. And I'm Dan Berger, president and CEO of NAFQ. We have an exciting announcement today one that offers us an opportunity to lead our industry into the future. Today, we're announcing that the board of directors and executive committees of CUNA and NAFQ have signed a letter of intent to merge our associations. The new singular association will be called America's Credit Unions. Jim Nussel will serve as president and CEO of America's Credit Unions. I am fully supportive of Jim as the leader of the new organization. We want you to know that this was a collaborative process, input from board members, senior executives of both CUNA and NAFQ, and external consultants. I will remain at NAFQ until the end of this year, working to bring both our organizations together. The goal of America's credit unions is to ensure the growth and prosperity of all credit unions across the country and the 137 million members that you serve. But we need your help. You'll have the opportunity to vote for this merger, and the voting period will start later this month and last for 60 days. If you vote in favor, the new association would be formed in January and be fully operational in early 2025. We ask you to join us in voting in favor of this merger. Why? Because combining the best of two great associations into one is the right thing to do for our industry, for you as members, and for your communities. Together, we can be more effective and efficient. Together, we can have a stronger voice in Washington. Together, we can deliver more value to you, our members. We pledge to you today that America's credit unions will make maximizing the value of your membership top priority. We know that credit unions are America's favorite place to bank. That's why we'll work diligently to align products and services with your needs and the needs of your members and communities. We'll continue to ensure that you're safe and sound for millions of members and businesses and partners who put their trust in your credit union. With your input, we are confident that together we will guide a new association very well. We know you have many questions. We want to assure you that we will answer all of them in a timely and transparent manner. Jim and I plan to visit with as many of you as possible to share more about America's credit unions, listen to your concerns, and answer your questions. 
You know, we're truly excited about this opportunity this merger will offer all of us. This is a future, really, for financial services, and we look forward to speaking with all of you real soon. So thank you. Thank you. All right, and that is the uh, three-minute speech from Berger and Nussel, and now here is the entire episode. Hey, everyone, this is Mark Treichel with another episode of With Flying Colors, and there was a big announcement this week with the proposed merger of CUNA and NAFQ, and I've got a couple experts with me here today, and we're going to chat about what this might mean going forward. I've got John McKechnie. How are you doing, John? Great. Thanks for having me. And Jeff Bassino. How are you doing, Jeff? Good, Mark. How are you? I'm doing well. And all three of us used to be with NCUA. John, you are with CUNA. All three of us have worked with CUNA or NAFQ. And could you, John, why don't you go first, get a little bit of background on what you're doing today in case my listeners aren't aware. I was with CUNA for 18 years, actually, in, in their advocacy department. And then I went over and worked with Mark and others at NCUA for five years. Actually, I was there. Uh, during the financial crisis of 2008, I did not cause it, I don't believe. But And then following that, I, I've, gone, I've hung out my own shingle since 2011, trying to work with the credit union system in, in D.C. and trying to do what I can to help on the on Capitol Hill and with the regulators. So it's it's been a good uh, good run with the credit union system. Very good. And Jeff, what are you up to these days? <laughs> my firm, Bacino Associates, represents three, tra- three credit union trade groups, the recently renamed Association of Credit Union Auditors and Risk Professionals, which used to be ACUIA, the internal auditor group, representing CULA, the Metropolitan Area Credit Union Management Association, and the National Council of Postal Credit Unions. And John and I did work for a while together at CUNA. As I always like to say, John obviously knows how to keep a job because I didn't stay there nearly as long as he did. He was, Jeff, with my first credit, first lunch in the credit union system back in the, yeah. about April 1987. That's a long time yeah. ago. Wow, and Jeff, you were my boss for a little while there at NCUA, and I always appreciated that that time together that we had, and John, the time we had together at NCUA. Yeah, a lot to dive into here. I thought I would start. There was a video of Jim Nussel and Dan Berger, the CEOs of CUNA and NASQ, where they did about a three-minute summary of the announcement, the big reveal. And I thought we would use their own words from their video and then we can digest this. Okay, guys, a lot there to unpack. They said a lot. And uh, Jeff, you're currently working with three associations. We've both worked with both of these associations. What's your, and there's, there's chatter out there. People start talking. I will say I posted earlier in the week when I saw this, I'd heard it was coming. And, you know, I'd been thinking about that. The, from my perspective, I think the wisdom of crowds combining the best of both organizations, my initial gut reactions is that there'll be some synergies here. Now there's devil to the details and I don't know those details and you guys might know more about what's going on behind the scenes. So with that, who wants to chat first here? I'll defer to John, John go first. Yeah, okay, Jeff, John. Harder than me though, you go first. I don't know if I'm taking that. I guess when I heard it, I felt like Indiana Jones when he finally saw that there was a holy grail at the at the end of the third Jones movie. Because John and all three of us have been around a long time. And we've been hearing rumblings of this for years and years. And when Dan Micah left the talk amped up, when when Ken Robinson left, again, the talk kind of amped up. It amps up every now and then in terms of, oh, this would make sense, this would make sense. And they did a really good job of keeping the thing fairly quiet. And so when it was released, it was, as I said, one of those moments where you went, 
okay, this is something we've been looking at for a long time that may finally come to fruition. That's a, that's an interesting place to start. And the video was an inter interesting place to start as well. I did hear a few people in both organizations who are generally supportive of the merger, but they're also asking the underlying question of why now? There, there has, there's no transition. Jeff mentioned the transitions in leadership in both organizations. When Micah retired, Ken Robinson retired, that prompted some merger talk. This time, that's not really what's going on. You have stable leadership in both. And so why now is a question I've heard. I don't know an answer to that. As a matter of fact, I must confess, I'm still in the same boat that I think a lot of people in the credit union system are, are which is I'm trying to make sense of the whole thing. There are a lot of questions, legitimate questions, valid questions about the financial element to the merger. From where I sit, of course, advocacy is what I first think of. And uh, I'm not certain about how that's going to shake out either. So I guess I'm here on your podcast to say, I don't really know many answers, but I'm certainly interested in talking about it because it's a fascinating subject. And when you say that, I think about their message. They talked about, we want to talk to you as, about, as many of you as possible. You know, they released a media Q&A, which I thought was interesting. On the website, it's called media Q&A. It makes me think, what other Q&As are there? Board directors, credit union Q&As. So they've got different versions, right? Just thinking about how they might splice and dice this, but that was the public one. And then I'm sure they've got other talking points that when they go out and do talk about these things, you talked about financially. I did see you today.info this morning, made references to CUNA losing money for a couple of years. And when I saw that, I'm thinking that probably had something to do with the pandemic and some of the travel being restricted. But financially, what does this mean financially? By the way, it also said, NAF, you made money from the, again, this is what was reported in cutoday.info. A NAFQ member actually brought up to me this morning, somebody who's a former NAFQ board member made that very point you did, Mark, that, that NAFQ during the pandemic seemed to weather that storm pretty well. So the finances, that, that, that this is one of the people who's just wondering if it's, uh, I think the jury is still out with several of the NAFQ people about why now and is their organization as they've known and loved it going to continue in some form or fashion. I, and I, again, that's for their membership to decide and for them to come to terms with. John brings up an interesting point because again, being relative, I'd say old timers that we are in the early days of discussions of a merger. I felt what scuttled it the most, basically people saying, I don't want to be part of them. Or I don't want to be part of them. You had the NAFQ people said, I'm never going to be part of CUNY. You had the CUNY people saying, I'm never going to be part of NAFQ. And what that did was kept it from really getting to the next step. In reality, I, most of those people are either now hired um, or close to retiring. And what you're finding is a fresh view. But I think both you and John make interesting points, Mark, in that to me, it's this financial aspect to it. There's personnel aspect to it. And then there's a structure aspect to it. And one of the things that you know, John and I both work at CUNA, so we understand it was the bigger organization. It takes a lot to get things done. Okay, you need a lot more approvals to get things done when you've got more members. I was talking to a reporter the other day and I said, just do the math in your head. If you've got, if you've got to convince 50% of 20,000 people or 50% of 400 people, what's an easier job? And by the same Jeff, token, I, Jeff, I had a hard enough time getting to count to two when you were my boss. We had three board members count to two, but having well, that big well, a number and now consulting, we're the we, three of us are living the dream, right? There's you and your your clients that you serve. So, yeah, you only have to count to one. 
Yeah, it's only got to count to one. And that culture thing, though, when I was back in Minnesota, Northwest Credit, Republic Airlines merged with Northwest Credit Union and Republic Credit Union, Republic Airlines didn't want to merge. So guess what? The credit union merged into U.S. Federal instead of Northwest Airlines because they were pissed, ticked off that that they were losing their credit union and their employers. So it goes back to the the history of the folks that said that it'll be a cold day in hell before there's a merger, but those things have softened and financially and just the general trends in industry. And then the other thing that pops into my head is Amazon buying Whole Foods because they wanted to get into that game. I've been over to Nancy's building and they've got that great studio that they started a year or two and the opportunity to be on their podcast. That's state of the art. And you can see that might've been how they were able to do so well during the pandemic. It's Maybe that's something that CUNA is looking to help. That's a synergy I think that Nephew can bring. Let me bring something up on that point though. The very first day that this merger was announced, I heard from people in both camps talking about the building issue that you just touched on. Some people wondered if the NAFQ building, which is exists in Arlington, Virginia, is just in the DC suburbs, if that's going to stay in, intact or if that's going to be sold. Some people also are asking what's going to happen to the the CUNA operations in Madison, which is an interesting question that I don't have any answers to. But I think the important thing for your viewers in this podcast and listeners is that these are questions that are out there and they're, and they started to circulate almost immediately. So I don't, I, I think a lot of things, I'll, I'll go back to what I said at the beginning of the show here. I think there are a lot of questions that, that probably have good answers, but we're going to have to hear them. Well, you're in, well, in, go well, ahead, Jeff. The point you guys just made for the, uh, the readers of, for the readers of my casino report, and I'll put in a shameless plug. I started to write it, and my first question was going to be, what are they going to do about the building? They, they came out yesterday with an announcement that they're going to stay in D.C., which then begs the question that you asked, Mark. They do have a state-of-the-art studio. Does CUNY keep it? What cost? And AFQ, from what I understand, owns the building, or it's the mortgage in their name. So it's one of those things where you could have said, okay, let's move everybody over to Arlington, because CUNA, for as long as I know them, I was there, we always rent, and we never owned anything. That begs the question, okay, so if you don't want to keep it, do you sell it and bring it to the bottom, bring that money to the bottom line? Because obviously, as we've touched on more, CUNA's finances have not been as rosy as NAFQ's. And this might be another way to answer the bottom line. But again, John's right. There are a whole lot of questions. when just saying, hey, support the merger. We get into that kind of category that all three of us have seen with credit unions. You say support the merger, and someone does a little digging, and you say, what about this? And then it starts to bring up some more questions. It's just going to be very interesting, as I said, I think you're looking at you look at the financial aspect, personnel aspect, the structure and operations aspect. And as you said, the, cult, the culture, like the two places is different. Culture is big. Yeah. That's the heart. Set the money side. The, what's the new board going to be? Who is the CEO going to be short term and long term? But the culture, that's the hardest thing of a merger as I've seen them play out. So I'm, I'm very interested in how the, in terms of meshing of the cultures work. Again, where I sit is always first thinking about the advocacy government relations element. And there are some talented people involved. You'd think that they would merge the two and become a bigger, stronger organization. But I don't know if everybody, I don't know if it's been made clear what's going to happen with staffing either. So that's a question I know a lot of credit people have. How's this going to affect advocacy? I don't know yet. Sure. And if it's a financial, 
issue, people are a big part of the cost, right? You can't have redundant systems necessarily, but you also want to take the best of both worlds to make it stronger. Jeff, you were going to say something there. No, I was just going to, I was going to point out John's right, because the advocacy has been for NAFQ over the last couple of years. Advocacy has been, I think it by their own advertising, their number one issue. Advocacy is their number one issue. When you do that, you have to look and say, okay, is that going to trans? Because I think for some NAFQ members, some of the NAFQ members I know, that is what they were there for. But again, for listeners of the podcast that, that are younger than us, NAFQ was ostensibly formed to fight for private passengers. Okay, that's the company line. And I also feel if you look back at history, it was formed because some of the larger credits in the country at the time we're tired of being outvoted by some of the smaller credit unions within the league of the cure strike. When you go with a one member, one vote credit union, it doesn't matter if you're a billion dollar credit union back then it would have been huge. Two $10 million credit unions, their votes just outweighed you. And so when you look at what NAFQ was originally formed for, and then always work, I felt on the advocacy angle. Even when I was at CUNA, I would have to admit that he did a fantastic job at the advocacy. And frankly, right now would probably be a good time for me because I would tell you, I think even though Dan Berger is stepping a step back, Dan deserves a lot in share, if not all credit, what they've turned into over the last half years. They are a world-class trade association, not just a world-class financial institutions association. They're a world-class trade association. And Dan and his team over there, what Dan's and Anthony and since left, those guys, they helped build it up. And, and so they, they obviously deserve a lot of the credit for putting this. And I thought when it first happened or when I heard rumblings, it might be happening. I thought there might be some sort of transition where they'd have them both around for a while. And then maybe Dan would ultimately be the CEO, but he made it clear he's leaving NAFQ at the end of the year in that statement. Any other things you're hearing regarding the long-term leadership in that regard? I, I, oh, the only thing I've heard how you just stated it, which is what's going to happen. There was, a, I guess, part of the announcement was that Dan Berger is going to be leaving at the end of the year, I believe. But people are wondering, what does that mean in terms of Jim Nussel's future? Or is there going to be a completely new CEOs in the near future after Jim Nussel would leave if he does? I don't know. I just I think, again, these are the unanswered questions that are legitimately on people's minds and they should be on people's minds. Because there's an old saying in D.C. that personnel is policy. So who you have in these positions is really going to be critical. Absolutely. Absolutely. We also, saw that at the agency every now and then, didn't we? Yeah. Let me also tell you something I've heard from, I've always been a league working person. When I was with CUNA, I was very interactive with the leagues. And le the leagues have always been my, even though I never worked in a league, they've always been my soft spot for me. Because I just know what they can do and all, what they can deliver. And I think some of the leagues, not all, but some of the leagues are wondering how is this merger going to affect the ability of leagues to integrate their efforts with the national organization. That's important because I think credit unions are only going to be as effective on Capitol Hill and with the regulator to the extent that they get people back home to be in, involved in this, these efforts. So I want to see a lot of real successful integration of credit union people through their leagues into this new system. And that's going to be, that'll be to me a determinant of whether or not the advocacy part of this is successful. Well, John, and John brings up a great point because again, if you look back at history, 
I think the slow reluctance in the past may have been historically CUNA was a was a league. You join the league and then you join CUNA. I understand we we've all they've altered it, but really that's was what it was. He was a direct member treat association. But John's right, those leagues served an important role. And uh, I think he's being a little modest. John, when he was at CUNA, did a great job with thing called Operation Its Roots that I want to give credit for creating that worked hard to making sure that the leagues were able to, as he said, integrate their advocacy and policy role with CUNA, because that's frankly where it works. I've always been honest. I don't tell people, look, for want of a better term, I'm not going to throw John here, but I think he's, we're hired guns, okay? And, and what really serves well, what really resonates with members of Congress is people back in the district. Could we sure. produce, you can produce 2,000 potential voters, people to help with campaigns. I think that's what helps and resonates with a member of Congress, not just eight on you, hey, you shouldn't do this. And I'll take a quick anecdote. When I was with CUNA, a fairly unpleasant conversation when I was with CUNA with an NCUA staffer, because we were at odds on something that was going on Capitol Hill. And uh, it was unpleasant to the point where he said I was a shill for the leagues, although he didn't use the word shill, but I'm going to clean up my language for this podcast. And I said, listen, next, next time you say that, please make sure it gets in the papers. I want people to think of me that way because I, I was very, I was and always have been very league oriented. Uh, I'm a believer in that. And I, again, that's something that needs to be protected, preserved and promoted in this new world. I think when I hear you guys talking about that, the one thing that pops into my head was the concern about monopolies are not good or some comments that I heard is, so they don't have the choice between Q or CUNA. When I heard that, I thought well, that's up to the leagues and the states having the influence there by having the voices and it's properly protected. It, it's not, in my mind, it's not really properly if you give the power to the leagues and to the people in the credit unions out there. I will say I'm this. Think- I'm sorry, John. I will say this. Having started a small trade association a long time ago that kind of competed with NASCA's National Association of State Credit Supervisors, in a way, CUNA, because it was a state chartered association, I will say this. Nobody likes monopolies. Unless they're the monopoly. Then everybody's for monopolies. In other words, everybody will fight against being monopoly until you're the monopoly. I got a funny feeling that that Jeff Bezos, when he was starting the Amazon, thought monopolies are bad. We shouldn't have. Now that Amazon pretty much runs everything shipping, I'm sure he's probably not a man. You are right though. And I guess I would say I wouldn't want to make a prediction that I hope comes true. I would not be surprised if in six months, a year, two years, five years. Someone doesn't start saying, didn't we used to have a group that wasn't America's credit unions? And so we're going to say, you know what? I got an idea. Let's start another trace. You're both making good, lighthearted points about an important issue. And I think you're both correct. You do wonder if there's going to be a segment of people, maybe mostly in the NAFQ camp, who wonder if there's room for a diversity of opinions and a diverse viewpoint on the national level. And I think it's way too early. This is Friday of the week of the merger announcement. So I think it's a bit too early to make a definitive prediction on that. I love my, my, one of my favorite political philosophers is a guy named Yogi Berra. And he used to say that predictions are hard to make, especially about the future. So I'm not quite ready to predict the emergence of another organization, but I think it's, I sense it's going to be batted around as an idea. We'll see where that goes. There's no truth to the rumor that I have now secured all the websites of names that are close to whatever. 
So somebody may have really, but again, it, it does. John, is it, it is late effort, but it is a serious issue in that if people don't feel, and again, this goes back to the kind of original days where, like, hell no, I, I won't go with them. Is you are going to have people, and anytime somebody tells you no or isn't going to do what you want to do, people start looking for options. It, it just a, is NASCIS going to be a big, there's a merger. NASCIS allows credit unions. They have a credit union board. You know, maybe that's going to be a venue where someone who wants to have another voice goes that route, setting aside another one being started. Round you, up. Can, you can also see other groups tick up on their advocacy. Sure. When I started in the creating movement nearly 40 years ago now, somebody told me that Q's at that time, he felt could have been the most influential credit organization. At that time, it really was just CEOs. I understand a lot of different areas, which I think is great for them. But will another group decide to take up their advocacy? Will they create a, for want of a better term, a lobbying work? Because again, it's really been left to the purview of Matthew and CUNA to do most of the lobbying. The best advocates we have, I can attest to this on Capitol Hill, the best advocates we have are credit unions. There's no, and I, that, that may sound funny coming from somebody who makes his living and is trying to be a credit union advocate, but believe me, I know who the, who's listened to most and believed most when it comes to dealing with elected officials. And it ain't me, it's credit union people because they know what's going on back home. Sure. Hey. John, you mentioned Yogi Berra, and when anybody does that, I have to say my favorite Yogi Berra quote, which is, nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded. Yeah, true. That's, a, that's another one of my favorites, too. I was going to say, you can actually apply that one the same way John did to this merger. Did they get to the point where, look, there are some people who like more exclusive and smaller things. And so your Yogi Berra quote that they don't go anymore yeah. is too it might be crazy and saying, you know what? I don't want to be part of it. I want to be part of something a little smaller and more instant. That's Again, a great point. Great point, Jeff. I didn't even think of that, but that's uh, that's as profound as Yogi himself. I just don't know where that's going to, where that's going to land. It's when we're in the sports analogy department, there's a difference between a basketball and a football. Basketball's round. You can predict where it's going to bounce. Footballs are shaped differently and they, you don't know where that's going to, end up. And I think that's where we are right now. We just don't know where this ball is going to ultimately bounce. But again, I, I trust, as long as a, we've talked about how long we've all been around, I, I trust the wisdom of credit and people. I think they're going to, they're going to ultimately make the right decision. Great point. Great point. And, I think they're, and, and I can tell based just on four or five days of hearing reactions, I can tell they're thinking smart thoughts. And I can tell that they're asking the right questions. They'll land in the right place, I think. Even when you, you know, obviously this is indicative of what we're seeing in the credit movement itself. Two years ago, you had Exceed and Connect Get Credit Union out California merge. That was, I think, one of the few times we've had $2 billion credit unions merge. Whereas, again, historically, it was big and small. Now we're starting to see kind of mergers of equals. And that's what, obviously, I think we're seeing here. I think John is right. I think in the end, the credit people will make the right decision. And he said that, there's obviously, you don't make everybody happy all the Everybody on Bill who watched, who I was surprised how much he watched this unfold, and I was surprised how much he knew about it, given the fact he's never been in our industry. But he made a comment that whenever there's a merger of equals, all, somebody always ends up on top. And that was, I think, a true, valid point. 
I don't know who's going to, I don't know how this perceived, but that's, I would just lay that out there as a, something to think about. Again, I, we use the term merger of equals. I think just to basically say they're about the same size. I know that these guys necessarily always close, but John's absolutely right. Someone wins, someone loses every time, you know, every time. It's going to be the same thing here. And the, the announcement that they put out yesterday that I was reading where they talked about the building, they did also talk about personnel. And I think they were very cautious in saying that while we, we can't guarantee anything for anybody and everything, we look at everything. That's telling me is, I think everybody is auditioning. Not everybody's staying. That's right. Yeah. And again, but that goes back to the money. What's the cost of a budget? What's it, at NCUA? It was staff at credit unions. It's staff at CUNA and NAFQ, NAFQ, CUNA and NAFQ, it's staff. Yes. And again, that will be. I think, Mark, at the beginning, you talked about demo and details. It's absolutely right. And that's where we are now. I think, I know that they talk about wanting to get this thing up and running by the, what is it, the end of 24? Right. Is that it? At their, the or, yeah. 25, this will be you know, a done deal and whatever. That's a long time from now. That's what I meant when I said I wasn't certain. Is there going to be a completely new player on the national stage as terms of a CEO of this merged organization in 2025? Some people are asking that question, and I don't know the answer to it. I guess it's, is it clear? You guys tell me. You saw the same video I did. It wasn't clear to me. And it and will that paint how people vote? And then the vote, they said, starting sometime the end of August, 60 days, puts you the end of October, if I'm doing my math right. The new organization, I think they said, formed no sooner than January 1, 2024, and beginning January 1, 2025. So. Yeah, again, there's a lot left unsaid between all those timelines. Somebody asked me the first day, somebody asked me if there are members of both organizations that can get two votes or one, that kind of stuff. I don't know. It's an interesting question. I hadn't even thought of that. I same way, same way, John. I had somebody asked me, somebody who's a member of both saying, I assume this means my dues are reduced. Hey, we start talking about finances, and that's the one thing that they haven't looked at. Again, let's look at this from sometimes our client's standpoint, credit union standpoint is what's this mean for me? Look, everybody everybody can talk about voting and they can talk about the big picture and they can talk about philosophy, blah, blah, blah. Philosophy is frankly useless when someone says it's going to cost you money. Know, hey, here's a prediction. Here's a prediction. How about you? Yeah, if you're already a member in you, you get a vote. You get a grandfathered vote as long as you, you were in and you pay both sets of dues. Well, John, you is get two votes. you're paying twice. I guess you should get to vote twice. I'm from Chicago. We vote early, we vote off. Right? Yeah, like yeah. A couple. But again, that is, that's the question that you, we talked a lot during this thing about finances. And how do you create a budget now? Let's say, look, let's take all the big cranes. Let's take Navy. Let's take Penfin. State employees in North Carolina. Schools first. Let's take a lot of these big cranes. All right. What are their dues going to be? I remember a conversation I had with Dick Ensweiler. It was the Texas Credit Union League. Now, the Cornerstone League a long time ago. I was down there giving a speech and Dick was lamenting the fact that he had two large credit unions merging. And I'm thinking, well, that's not too bad. But he said, no, Jeff, the problem is our dues are canned. I ain't getting any more money from these guys merging. I'm losing money. And again, sometimes credit unions, I don't think, understand that, that, that associations and this stuff is business. It is a business where you have to look at the bottom line and say, okay, Sometimes, again, with the three associations I run, sometimes board members will say, oh, let's do this, let's do this. And then you say, okay, 
And their management firm will then price it out and say, okay, this is what it costs. And that's when their eyes start to open. And they're like, I didn't know it was that much. Like, this is, again, this is business. It's very easy to say, hey, I, I was at this conference and I saw this speaker. I had somebody a couple of years ago who saw Soledad O'Brien at the GAC, the virtual GAC that you did. And she called me and she said, hey, what do you think I'll get Soledad O'Brien? I know most of the speakers, but I was like, called the guy I know. He said, yeah, she's $75,000. I went back to this board member. I said, would you like every cent of profit you might make on this conference to go into this one speaker? If you do, get the votes on the board and we will do it for you because that's what we do. Again, it looks at money. And if you're a member of both, what's your due structure? Yeah, great point. What else, gentlemen? Any other side of this, this proposal? This, that I'd, like to have this I'd like to have this same conversation in about three months because I'll bet you we'll know more, although not the total. We may not know the total picture, but I think it's good. This is going to be one of those things that reveals itself uh, in stages. And it reveals itself. That's a great yeah, and point. That, and that's, let's, uh, you got, you, when one of you two guys thinks that there's news or I see something that's news that says, hey, it'd be a good time to refresh this. Let's do that. I think that's a good idea. I think, I think I like John's that. right. I think we look at, we had August, maybe December, a little before Christmas. We get together and see what this thing is like. I had a reporter ask me the other day, what do you think the bankers think about this? Do you think they're happy or upset? So I said, if I were a banker, I would be upset because now you're starting to see a unified voice and you no longer have the, the ways that you can sometimes, you know, separate folks by creating an issue for some of that's not an issue for the other. Just pick the pet peeve of mine. I saw an article yesterday, American Banker newspaper, which is an independent paper. It's not affiliated with the American Bankers association jeff you were quoted in this i thought a good quote but they this, these reporters actually defaulted the idea we better get the bankers opinions so they they asked the bankers about what they thought of this which they never do they never ask credit use what we think of activities in the banking area or what that's one pet peeve the other thing is they quoted some guy at the brookings institution who who made a kind of a little bit of a snarky comment but the point is he had been on the payroll of the American Bankers Association as a consultant, and they didn't mention that in the story. And if those of you who read the American Bankers coverage from yesterday know that some of these banker, these some of these voices are banker voices trying to be trying to pick nits at what we're doing. Shame right. on them. And John, right, John and I always say we really don't. I mean, frankly, as Christians, we really shouldn't care about what the ABA thinks or the ICBA. It doesn't matter. He's right. They don't come to us. He doesn't come to us. But but I did, as I said, but my opinion is if you're gonna if you're gonna look at what they should be seeing, they should be worried. Because again, this takes away that avenue of being able to work with someone to, to divide and conquer if an issue comes up. Now you're gonna speak with one voice. It's gonna be very easy to see where it is. And once the choice is made to what the position on an issue is, it's pretty easy. You can't go and go, oh, what does this other trade group think? And frankly, the ABA is a combined group of two institutions as well. So I look at that and go, frankly, I don't care what they think. They've done it. It looks like we're going to do it. But I think in the end, as I said, is it does take away a chance for opponents of ours to pick away at the edges. Yeah, you can't, I, divide, the, you can't divide and conquer. Yeah, go ahead, John. The only drawback is what if, like, at various times, the two credit and trades may have had differences of opinion. And one of them happened, I can think of a couple of examples. I'm not going to rehash the past too much, but one of them was right and the other wasn't. 
now we're only going to have one voice. What if that one voice all makes the wrong call on something? I like, I, for, for my part, I think that sometimes having the organizations look at the issues, come up with different opinions, sometimes that's to our benefit, especially, like I said, if one of them's right. And John, I know exactly the issues you're talking about. We've, we've rehashed these on ourselves many times, and you're right. But as I said, from an outsider's perspective, it's certainly nicer to have that because then you could point out, I'm hoping they get it right. Follow your theory. I'm hoping they get it right. So I'm hoping that maybe the cooler heads that prevail on one side, which again, I would predict are going to be there for a while, for a handful of years. You're still going to be seen as a few guy or a cutie. Nobody wants to admit that or say that, but it's just, it's natural. Let me ask you, when I joined the board of the Central Housing Finance Board, which obviously regulated the Central Home Loan Bank System, I was seen as a credit union guy because that's where I come from. There were many federal home loan bank presidents that I talked to where I said, look, I understand the majority of my career with credits. I'm here today to regulate the federal home loan system. And that's it. And, but to think for a handful of years, going to see people. And I just had a funny feeling the inside influence is going to be, oh, that was a NAFTA person. That was a CUNA person. And that goes to, and that also goes to that culture issue. I remember when I came from region six to region one and mm-hmm. was saying, wanting you, the first hundred days, you listen to see what's going on. Then you start tweaking some things. And one of the, one of the people who reported me said, why don't you just tell me how we used to do it in region six so we can make this easier? <laughs> well, you but know. yeah, the, the, maybe that the culture part or the organization is crucial and having the leadership at top understand that deal with that is very important for those leagues to have the input for the credit unions to have their voice. John, remember this story when, when we were at Q one of the things we used to do around the holiday season was we gave out this handmade chocolate, the late Brookshire had a friend who would make this handmade chocolate. They put it in these little glass jars. The reason that I'm bringing this story up is because the name they chose is one year, I think, again, I wasn't there for too many of them, but one year we used to put CUNA and the leagues, I think. And then one year they decided to put from America's credit unions. John and I, the late Doug Doerr, and a couple of the other lobbyists, we all delivered these the week before Christmas to folks on the Hill, and they were always well-received. People used to always ask for them. The one year we put America's credit unions one of the lobbyists from NAFQ got a call from a friend of mine who worked at the Hill thanking him because he didn't know where it came from. And he thanked him. And this guy took credit. He says, yeah. no problem. Glenn. You <laughs> like it. When you talk about culture, it is something that, you know, yeah, tell us how you did it in Region 6 and that's how we'll do it here. I got a funny feeling those conversations are going to be had many times over the next handful of months, if not years this new trade group, because again, you bring with you the stuff you know, stuff you're familiar with, the stuff that you feel works. It may not always work, but trust me, when you feel it does, you're more likely you're to You're passionate say, about it. This is the way we do it. It's funny, Mark, you may not remember this. When I was on the board, whenever I would meet with the staff, I would always say the same thing. Look, you give me any answer you want to a question I give you, but if you say that's the way we've always done, I most likely will toss you out. Because that's not an answer to a question. That's right. the way I've done it is really just a cop out. But as I said, it's going to happen over the next handful of months and years with this because just I think it's human nature. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, guys, this has been great. We'll uh, we'll do this again in the future. And uh, when we do that, I'm going to go. I'm going to re-listen to this, 
see what happened and I'll say, okay, Jeff and John were right about all this and everything I threw out there as a prognostication was wrong, but we'll do a little back checking what we thought might happen and we'll see where it lands. I really appreciate you guys being available on such short notice. Sure. Well, this was, thank you for pulling it together. Thanks, Mark. You got it. We'll, uh, we'll chat soon. And listeners, I want to thank you as always for listening. I hope you'll listen again as Mark Trichel signing off with Flying Colors. Thank you for joining us on this episode of With Flying Colors. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app to hear future episodes where subject matter experts of all varieties will provide tips on how to achieve success with NCUA. If you would like to learn more about how we assist credit unions, check out our services at marktrichel.com. 